Hey mama, you're listening to the Fit Mama podcast. I'm your host and fitness bestie, Sarah. I'm a prenatal and postpartum fitness specialist, certified Pilates instructor, certified yoga teacher, and most importantly, I'm a certified hot mess of a mother. I've got a toddler son and twin baby girl, so you can just imagine the noise levels in my home. But in this podcast, I'm excited because I'm spilling all of my best tips so that you can feel your absolute best and most confident on this crazy motherhood journey. So whether you're washing the dishes or loading up the minivan, I'm glad that you're here. Turn up the volume and get ready to take some notes because we are diving into all things physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Hello and welcome to the Fit Mama podcast. And if my math is correct, we are on episode number 45 of the pod, which just feels so big. I don't know. That number feels really high. Maybe it's because it's divisible by five. It's close to 50. I don't know. Something about this number just feels extra special. And I am so excited for today's topic. But before we jump in, I do want to touch on our question of the week. If you guys didn't already know, my Instagram and TikTok DMs are always open. And so whenever I get questions over and over, I like to address them in the podcast. And that way, those of you who are the real OGs who are tuning in across all platforms get really detailed responses to these questions. So if you have one of those questions, I would encourage you to go send me a DM right now, pause the podcast, send me the DM and come back. Uh, but today's question was actually about diet sodas and what are my thoughts on diet sodas? So here it goes. Basically, if you are a soda drinker and you are having to choose between drinking a regular soda or a diet soda, I'm going to tell you to choose the diet soda. Now, all that being said, do I think that diet sodas are a health food? No. I would much rather you drink like a sparkling water that maybe is lightly flavored, naturally flavored. So like think LaCroix or a mineral water or water that has some lemon juice squeezed in it or, you know, cucumber and lemon infusion. Like those are the ideal flavored drinks. But I also understand that when we're on a health journey, sometimes things just take time. It is a process. I just walked through this process with one of my clients who was a big soda drinker, as in drinking two to three cans of soda a day, and that was the regular kind. And so I told her, listen, I know that you really love your soda. You love the taste and you love the texture. She really, really loved like the bubbly cold taste and she was relying it for and relying on it for energy and so we started to wean her off and went to diet sodas for a little while and then after a couple weeks of that she sent me a message yesterday saying that she's actually moved on to drinking just LaCroix that she no longer enjoys the taste of the sodas and has found that uh, sparkling water is a is a fine enough substitute. She feels satisfied with it. And so I would much rather someone do a gradual process when trying to, you know, get rid of sugary drinks. If that means that their chance of actually letting go is higher, right? Like if you try to cut it cold Turkey and then you don't make it more than three days and then you're back to your regular soda habit, I would say just take it in steps, choose the diet option for a little while. So at least you're not getting so much sugar. You're not drinking all of your calories. Uh, and then, you know, work your way little by little to cutting those out. 
as well and opting for healthier options. Okay. Hopefully that answered that question. If you have some more questions about the diet drinks, send those to me. There is some nuance to the conversation, but this is just very general advice I'm going to give you. Okay. Let's talk about some health and fitness myths. I want to bust the myths this podcast and give you the real science behind it so you can make better decisions on your fitness journey. Now, listen, to be totally honest, it was so hard for me to pick and narrow down just a few of these myths. I'm not covering all of them today. There's probably enough myths to do a part two and part three of this episode as well. So if you like it, if this episode is helpful to you, be sure to give the podcast a positive rating and then send me a message and let me know like, Hey, I want to have more myths debunked. Like I really enjoyed this episode. Just give me some feedback and I'll, I'll be sure to do some more. Uh, but I try to pick the myths that I have seen the most on social media recently, because I'm assuming that's where you're seeing them as well. And woo, myth number one is a big one. Are you ready? The myth is spot reduction or targeted fat loss. And you'll probably seen this on social media in the form of like, do three sets of 10 reps of this exercise and lose belly fat or, you know, target your belly fat using this, whatever crazy variation of an exercise or tone your arms using this exercise. You'll see stuff like that, lose fat or tone or whatever, this specific area by doing this specific exercise. Okay. Here are the facts. You cannot lose fat in specific areas by using targeted exercises. You cannot lose fat in those areas by doing exercises. Now, okay, you might be wondering, what's the point of exercise? I'll get there, okay? But let me just give you a little bit of the science first. When we lose body fat, it is lost from the entire body, not just specific areas. We do not get to pick and choose where we lose the fat from. In fact, when we are losing weight, we will also, aside from fat, lose some muscle as well, because the body is pulling energy from wherever it can get it. it is breaking down not only fat, but muscle also in the body. And so spot reduction or targeted fat loss is not supported by scientific evidence. There will be overall fat loss across the body. So then again, the question, why exercise at all? What is the point? Because of what I just said with fat loss, when we lose weight, we are also losing muscle. And so the goal is while you are losing weight, we want to maintain as much of the underlying muscle as possible. We want to strengthen those muscles and hopefully mitigate some of that muscle loss. And that is what ultimately leads to a toned look. Toning in effect is losing fat while you maintain or build muscle. So as you lose the fat, you'll reveal the muscle that is underneath. We are not turning fat into muscle. That's not how the body works. You cannot turn fat into muscle and muscle does not turn into fat. They are different kinds of tissues. Um, but we do lose fat. And then hopefully if we've been strength training, we reveal a muscular physique underneath. And so spot reduction is not true. Do we do exercises like ab exercises and whatnot? Yes, but not for the reason of, you know, losing belly fat in that area. We want to have a strong abdomen for lots of reasons, a functional body being 
one of the primary reasons. But then also, you know, when you do lose weight and it comes off from the belly area, you will hopefully have some little ab muscles peeking out there. So yeah, spot reduction, as much as I wish it were true, it is not. Um, one caveat for my mamas here, you won't spot reduce fat in the abdomen, but if you do have diastasis recti, you might find that your belly pokes out because of the organs and that pressing on the connective tissue. And by doing targeted ab muscles for that deep inner core work that needs to happen to heal your diastasis recti, it might look as if you have lost fat in that area, but that again is not what's really happening. You are strengthening the inner core, which pulls everything in and in doing so pulls in the entire uh, corset of your abs and gives a more toned and thinner look. Um, so just wanted to throw that in there. There are very targeted ab exercises that you should be doing if you have diastasis recti, and it might look like you have spot reduced fat when in reality you have healed an, an injury. Okay, let's move on to myth number two. Ooh, man, I'm about to put some people out of business, primarily the Kardashians, but also some of your favorite influencers. These were really popular in the 2010s, but these are detox diets. Okay, you have seen this on social media most likely in the sense of people talking about toxins. Like there's toxins in everything and you need to get them out of your body, flush it out. All right, you have a liver, you have kidneys. Their entire purpose is to detoxify the body. That's what they are there for. They exist for that reason. You do not need a juice to help your liver do its job or to help its, the kidneys do their job. Okay, this is just an extreme way that they are trying to get you to buy things, whether it is buying their juicing recipe book or, you know, I've seen juices that can be mailed to your house or expensive juices at these like little shops and they're called detox juice or whatever. That is so unnecessary. What those really do are in case you've, you know, done this or you've seen someone else do it and you notice they look much thinner at the end of five days. It's because a lot of these juices literally make you poop your brains out. Like <laughs> I have no other way to say it. That sounds so crass, but like, it's true. A lot of them are diuretics. And so you are dehydrated by the end of it and you have fully flushed out everything that was in your intestines. And what's left is just a less full version of you. As soon as you eat food again, that those results quote unquote are going to go away. And so what I can basically tell you is like, please stop flushing your money down the toilet. Literally detox diets are not only ineffective, but they can also be quite harmful. There are some big risks in doing these detox diets. I can go into a whole lot more depth on this topic, but I'm just going to name a few of the potential risks of doing a detox diet, especially if you're doing like one of the really extreme juice fast type detoxes. So, you know, rapid fire, if you want to know more about these, uh, shoot me a message and maybe we can do a whole podcast dedicated to the detox diets. But in general, these can lead to nutrient deficiencies because you are not going to get enough nutrients from just drinking juices. Uh, it can damage your metabolism. You can lose muscle mass. It can cause digestive issues, uh, electrolyte imbalances, and most of all, just this disordered eating like mentality. I mean, if you're putting these kinds of restrictions on your food or labeling certain foods as 
toxic, I mean, that's just asking for an unhealthy relationship with food. So detox diets are not it. This is a total myth and I would skip it. All right. Number three, cardio is the only way to lose weight. You might've seen this recently in the form of 12, 30. That was a big one on TikTok. Like just do 12, 30 and you're going to shed pounds or, you know, do this treadmill workout and you'll be losing 30 pounds in the next two months. And I mean, I've seen it in like a hundred different ways, but basically do this cardio workout and you'll lose weight. Or I hate, they'll like not even say workout anymore. They say, you haven't tried my method. What do you mean method? Like that just makes it sound like, you know what you're talking about when really you're just, you're just giving a cardio workout, which is fine. Cardio is good for us, but this is not the only way to lose weight. In fact, exercise in general is not to be used to lose weight. Now, okay, let me flesh that idea out a little bit. So our body uses energy in different ways. The biggest one being just the energy that we use to survive. This is our basal metabolic rate. It is the calories that we burn just by existing. It's what we burn at rest. And this category is by far the one where we burn the most amount of calories. It's like around 70% of your daily calorie expenditure is just for you to be able to exist, right? So what we're actually working with is only about give or take 30%, okay? Like you have influence over about 30% and that is broken down into three categories. And those would be the non-exercise activity, your exercise activity, and then your food activity is what I'll call it. So basically like the calories that you burn by eating food and digesting food. Okay. The calories that we burn from food is so minimal. Like I'm not even going to focus on that. So basically it comes down to the calories that you burn from doing things that are not related to exercise and the calories that you burn when you exercise. And this is where people get tripped up because they think I'm exercising. I should be losing weight. In reality, the percentage of calories that we burn through exercise is so low compared to the total that I don't really recommend exercise for weight loss in terms of burning a lot of calories. And you see this all the time on like YouTube workouts, or I see it sometimes on TikTok where it's like, burn a thousand calories in an hour with this set, or, you know, this is going to torch calories or whatever. No, it's not. It's not, you can burn some calories through exercise, but it's not going to make a huge dent in your overall calorie expenditure. And I hope that this is making sense. Like exercise is so important again, to maintain muscle mass. It's important because the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn at rest because muscle burns more calories at rest than fat. And so it is important. It's important for your metabolism. It's important for your overall health, but this is not a weight loss strategy. And so I don't really recommend exercise when it comes to losing weight. Um, what I do recommend is a balanced diet and exercise to complement the weight loss. So again, we maintain muscle mass when we are losing fat. Again, I hope this makes so much sense. I'm trying to get through these quickly because I've got several myths, but if you have questions, you know where to send them. 
Basically, cardio is not the only way to lose weight. In fact, cardio is not a great way to go about losing weight. The best way to go about losing weight is through a healthy diet and uh, then obviously complementing with cardio and strength training because your body needs that to be healthy and functional no matter what weight you're at. Okay, let's move on. I feel like I, I spent a long time on that subject and I don't know how much sense it made. I hope it was communicated clearly enough, but again, please feel free to reach out to me with your questions. Um, myth number four. Okay. Eating late at night causes weight gain. I again had this conversation with another client this week where she was asking about late night snacking and if this was going to make her gain weight or sabotage her weight loss goals. And no, for the most part, this is not true. Now, I will add my caveat that if you are someone who struggles with insulin resistance uh, or you have other you know, medical diagnoses where you need to be really monitoring the timing of your food, then this myth uh, might be one that you just want to skip and talk to your doctor or registered dietitian about. But this, I'm talking to the general public here. So for the general public, uh, eating late at night really is not going to cause any weight gain because your body does not have some kind of like clock that it's checking. It's not like the clock strikes 9 p.m. in your stomach. And then if you eat something, all of your cells go, oh my gosh, it's 9.03 p.m. We must store this as fat. That's not how that works. It really all comes down to your total daily caloric intake that matters much more than your meal timing. And so, no, your body's metabolism isn't going to shut down at night. It's really just a matter of your overall calorie balance. Now, where this myth probably gets some footing and some truth might be hidden in the middle of the myth is that we typically don't make great decisions at night when it comes to our nutrition because we are tired or we are looking to food for comfort after a really long day. And in those cases, we can tend to overeat, meaning that we go over that daily caloric uh, intake or our calorie goal for weight loss or our maintenance calorie number. Uh, and so we, we overeat, basically, and that, that would cause weight gain typically um, if it becomes a habitual practice where we are continually overeating. And so, yeah, this is overall a myth, but I, I can't understand by human nature why this can ring true for some people. But if you're someone who's not struggling with, you know, late night binge sessions, you're just genuinely hungry at 9 p.m., I would encourage you to just, you know, eat what your body needs and move on. If it's not a habit, if it's not causing you to spiral out of control, then just go for it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, some people can expect that their sleep quality will decrease when they are eating late at night, but again, that's also not true for everyone. And so you really have to listen to your own body and notice patterns in yourself. You might notice that you tend to go wild after a certain time of night and that it's a habit where you always seem to do this around nine, nine thirty. And in that case, it might be good to instigate a belief system where you're basically restricting your window and saying, you know, not that you're going to intermittent fast, but just say, okay, the kitchen closes at 8 PM. That's when we close up shop. 
and and make that more of a habit so you don't get into that cycle that you know is already kind of toxic for you. Um, so yeah, eating late at night is not going to automatically cause weight gain, but your habits around eating late at night might. Okay, last myth, and then I think I'm going to have to call it for uh, maybe part one of this series, but the myth again is now leaning more towards exercise. And that is a common saying, no pain, no gain. I hear this a lot, especially when we are doing ab rehabilitation exercises, postpartum that, you know, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything. Well, what do we mean by that? When you say that you don't feel like it's doing anything, what you mean is you don't feel sore, right? Like you're, you're not feeling pain the next day. So the workout must not have challenged you. It must not have been hard. In reality, exercise does not need to be painful to be effective. In fact, if you have soreness that lasts for, you know, over two days, two, three days, it's more so a signal that you overdid it. It's not that it was necessarily a good workout. You probably went a little too hard. Um, pain is not a good indicator of effectiveness and it can indicate even injury at times. It's really important to listen to your body. It's important to incorporate rest days regularly and exercise should be sustainable. So if you are doing an exercise to the point where it is so painful, the next day you can't even like get in and out of your chair, you can't walk up the stairs without it just being excruciating this pain, then that's not really sustainable because it's not helping you to live a functional life, you know? Um, and aside from, you know, not being functional, like I said, you're probably doing a bit of damage, a bit of injury to your joints, maybe some injury in the muscle, it's better for you to take it slow and steady. We should be challenging our muscles. Some soreness is normal, but it is not required and it should never be an excess. Exercise should be for the long term. And you know, really, if I can just tie up all of these myths with one ugly bow, because all of these myths were pretty ugly, uh, it's that most of the time, these fitness myths become popular because they are promoting fast results. So you don't actually have to put in the work and work towards long-term health. They want you to be enticed by the idea that you can get your dream body in just you know, a month of doing this exercise or 10 weeks or five days of this detox. I mean, there's always like this time frame around these myths that make us feel like it's worth a try, right? It's only a week or it's only a month. I can do that. And we're given this false illusion um, of what life will be like if we can just stick it out or if we can just buy the program or just buy the detox. And it never quite works out. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. If they're promising results in a short period of time, they're probably lying to you. So, you know, one quick recap, there is no exercise that will spot reduce fat loss. You cannot do a certain crunch variation and then lose belly fat. Uh, and definitely not in like three weeks, uh, detox diets, very, very harmful. Do not do them. Your kidneys and livers will do that just fine on their own. <laughs> so save your money. You don't need a five day detox. 
uh, cardio being the only way to lose weight. It's not even a relatively good way to lose weight. You need to focus on your diet, which does take a bit more strategy. Doing 30 days of treadmill workouts is probably not going to help you drop 20 pounds. It's just not. Uh, eating late at night causes weight gain. That's also not necessarily true. You actually have to do the long-term work of dealing with your habits and seeing what's happening at night. Uh, and if you are binging at night, getting to the root of why that is and not just declaring that 9 p.m. is an evil time of day and food is not allowed at that time. And then the last one, no pain, no gain. Um, this is just simply not true. There's no science to back it up. You should not be doing exercises that are so intense that they leave you, you know, feeling like you're going to die the next day. No, it's exercise should be slow and steady. So anyway, I hope that uh, this was helpful to you. I hope that you were able to be a bit more informed and that this would really encourage you to question some things when you see them come across your, your for you pages or YouTube feed or whatever. Uh, if it's popular in the algorithm, it's usually because, like I said, they're promising or making some really big promises that they cannot keep. Uh, and all they ask is that you, you know, sign on the dotted line and input your <laughs> card number here. You know, don't forget the security code on the back and uh, they will handily deal with your money and you will deal with your disappointment later. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. I am excited because the next episode that we will be uploading is actually going to be a bonus episode with Jess. Uh, she is a friend of mine who is a coach and does hormonal health. And so if you have any questions on hormones in general that you want her to answer in the upcoming podcast, be sure to send those over to me. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, send those to me as well. I'm always so grateful for you guys, grateful for your feedback and the way that we can continue the conversation uh, on the DMs. It really makes the social and social media feel true. Uh, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at sarahkelly.co. That's Sarah with an H, Kelly with an E-Y dot C-O. And that will be it for today's podcast, you guys. Enjoy your coffee, reheat it if you need to, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye, mamas.